The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Philadelphia Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find at MMAJunkie.com as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But in this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're gonna do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Uh getting this out just a hedge before the card uh starts. Uh a 24-hour period, I should say, on Friday. Recorded about an hour or so after weigh-ins. Um, yeah, you know, same old story, just, just kind of crawling for the life of me past this, uh, nine-week mark straight of UFC cards, which is just fucking insane, as, as my tweet last night kind of, uh, proclaimed with the, uh, Edward Norton Fight Club, Jeff, hey, at this point of the UFC, uh, schedule stretches for those of us who grind tape and have been grinding tape, it just turns into that scene from Fight Club where, like, everything is a copy of a copy of a copy. And that's where we are at week nine. Um, you know, I will say, uh, you know, people been asking, I haven't been at uh, Junkie Radio five days a week. I've talked about it briefly, I think, here before, but but just to just to touch again, I don't really get to talk too much. Uh, I'm getting text. <laughs> What's episode drop? Um, you know, get, you know, uh, I don't really get too much time to talk on here. I try to keep it really fast, especially, you know, when I'm, releasing episodes like this with the deadline limited try to just get to the breakdown i i I consider this a service albeit free uh and um you know you putting up with me is enough of a payment right so you know this is voice so um we are going to get to it and by the way always a reminder i do provide timestamp show notes and we do recap the picks and plays at the very end if you just want to jump ahead to that uh but there will be a few notes off the top as per the huge and uh and yeah, like I was saying before, my thought completely ran off the track was that, uh, you know, it's been more manageable this stretch. You know, uh, again, I'm down to two weeks uh, or, you know, roughly. You can change depending on, you know, what the guys got going, but uh, two nights on the, on the radio show. And that's just, you know, in order to help me, uh, you know, um, uh, help everybody, I should say. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, everyone's rearranging in the, in the old... Uh, the old MMA system here, so uh, we're, we're doing our bits too, as you've noticed, it's probably this past year or so, that's a part of that, so it's a good change, uh, and uh, I will be getting these to you guys earlier, it's nice to have a break, already got a top five uh, started and researched for, we're recording that on Tuesday, so that'll be next week with Aaron Bronstetter, uh, I'll let you guys, I'll tweet out the topic about the day before, it's an easy one, if I, I, don't worry, if I give it to you guys now, it'll be too much of a head start. But I'm looking forward to that. And again, I would love to do more of those too. But but again, there's just relentless fucking stretches. And for you know, you savages out there that tweet, ah, I'll take it every day. Yes, every weekend for It's like I get it from that fan perspective if you're really like a hardcore nut. But if you're really a hardcore nut, I assume you love the sport 
And if you do love the sport, you got to look at the long term because everybody, including uh, the UFC brass, in my opinion, the top, you know, for all the good they do, which, you know, you can't overlook. Uh, you know, it's, it seems like it's so in vogue to, to hate on the UFC. They do do a lot of good, but at the same time, yeah, it's, I feel like there's a lot of uh, short-term instead of long-term with these old streaming deals and this and that. And you guys want MMA every weekend, and now we got it, and now we got to pay for it. Uh, so, and, and, and my, I guess my counterpoint is, even if you don't want to be a big-picture person, you still don't give a fuck. You're just like, I don't care. I just like face-punching. And it's like, okay, if you like face-punching so much, you know there's, like, MMA that's, like, not UFC that's on every weekend, guys. Um, in fact, a lot of the MMA that you can't view is going on locally or in driving distance. So... If you really love MMA and or just love watching people like just get face punched because that's your thing uh, every weekend, like go support shit outside of the UFC and stop coming at people like myself who who are uh, trying to keep up with the UFC and, and essentially uh, in turn helping them promote by by breaking down fights and, and, and putting out articles and, and doing all this stuff that we not you know we all do uh, in our own way. I'm not trying to say it's a Soul thing, obviously. Just, anyways, I'm ranting and raving here, but just my counter argument for you savages that just can't get enough. Um, speaking of can't get enough, so last week, UFC National, oh my God, got washed on that card. Um, I don't even think I hit too many plays, but then you had like guys like Bryce Mitchell, who even though, you know, I lost, was on the other end of that with Moffat. That, 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 <laughs> how does that guy not win you over? And from the sound of it, uh, sounds like Reebok might be getting him those camo shorts. And yeah, it was capped off just the way. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just doing a really crude recap of the card, and it was just capped off again. Another another wrong pick, but my goodness, Anthony Showtime Pettis with that punch that was just that was just scary. Uh, and and the the whole Stephen Thompson not remembering till he kind of got to the back, or you know, uh, didn't didn't remember walking out, taking pictures, and all that wasn't as bad as somebody we're going to get to in the card, Josh Emmett, but very similar account as far as, like, you see those follow-up shots. That's the ones where it's like, not only are guys out, but they don't even remember when they come back, too. They're still, it still takes them a while, and it's got to be a common thread with those late shots. Uh, so, again, props to people like the Machitas of the world, the very few out there who pull the shots when they can. Uh, and not... Coming at Showtime for it. He, he said, like, he thought he was out and stuff. And congrats to Showtime. That wasn't a, a attack on him. But, you know, just, just calling things how we see him. And, oof, it's an unforgiving sport, kids. Uh, Bellator probably is going on tonight or already happened. Um, you know, by the time you're hearing this, uh, not too much there. Pick Sadawad over Gertz. Uh, that's going to be a fucking slugfest. Uh, other than that, it's pretty much high chalk on that side of things. Um, some apropos topics, and I think part of the reason, too, that, uh, you know, aside from that I've been, you know, not improving the time that, as well as I'd like to on these breakdown episodes, I, I, I started getting sleep once again, which I was not doing for, for years, and uh, even though I just kind of battled some ear infection nonsense, which I think might be coming back, I'm knock on wood, uh, I started, started getting weird pains, I don't know if I'm just being hyper paranoid now because of it. But aside from that, you know, health's been improving and, uh, you know, been doing actual stuff like, you know, weeds, taxes, all that fun adult stuff that we're, you know, neither here nor there you guys don't want to talk about. Obviously, I don't want to talk about, but, uh, you know, just, just I, I have been doing, you know, constructive stuff, a lot of catch up, 
uh, on my list. A lot of not catch up literally, but just catching up on things to do. And, you know, again, self-admittedly, it's like, it's funny. I'm actually like stacking the deck here because this kind of gives you a key into my, my psyche and like how I feel guilty for doing normal things. Like my buddy Brian's getting mad at me because like I, I've blown off kayaking a couple weekends in a row, even though it's only like a, a day venture out here in Vegas. Uh, it's hard. It's like Sunday, you know, there's always a card that's over and then I got to spend my Sunday turning over because we got to record breakdown videos on Monday, go on radio. So if my Sundays are just spent, I, don't even, I can't even digest the card that just happened. I have to just get right on the next card and it's kind of hard to get out of that, 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 that cycle and reset, um, earlier anyways. And, uh, especially when, you know, God forbid, I've actually made time to like watch things besides combat sports guys, which is crazy. Um, I still haven't gotten a certain things and certain assignments from people, so I apologize for that. I'm still meaning to start Deadwood, though. I think I, I think I, I, I might be able to do it through Amazon here. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, just just catching up on things, which uh, uh, I got sucked into that goddamn making murder or two. I know it was stupid. Yeah, okay, yeah, and uh, that was dumb. Uh, green room was was cool. You know, you get to hear uh, Professor X, Wolverine. Yes, Wolverine. Uh, drop an N-bomb, which is weird. By the way, shouts to Andrew Millington, who just not just interacts with my random film posts, but uh, directed me in the direction of those Pete Holm videos of him playing uh, Professor X. That's just great. I love, I love shit like that. I love taking childhood things and putting them in real-life scenarios and then, you know, perversing a character. It, it makes it all the more funny, and Pete Holmes just kills it with that in the Street Fighter one as well. Um, uh, that's why I wrote X-Men, probably. Tony Hawk, Pro Skater. Yeah, that was... Uh, a lot of nostalgia uh, there. Uh, I'm going to save a lot of the stuff to talk about, actually. when uh, I was joking, speaking of Twitter. Jordan all, Jordan Killian uh, co-hosts this podcast uh, often. Uh, he's going to be coming back on soon for a top five as well. And uh, we're going to talk some movie talk, especially over the top. There, there's a lot of things to be discussed about over the top with Stallone. Um, what the fuck did I write? Oh, I, I finally watched Hurt Locker. That was uh, that was pretty good. Uh, it's funny. I was like, you know, and I'll watch it. Like, okay, I'm gonna not watch MMA. I, I'm gonna be healthy. Yeah, this is why I'm not going to sleep at proper times. And you know, watching amount, that amount of face punching I do is probably not healthy in the first place. But you know, uh, especially you know before sleep, and I wonder why I get crazy dreams. Well, you know, Dan, let's just, just watch a movie and I don't whine. Let's go to Fantasyland like normal people. And uh, I always make the mistake, and I'm like, okay, watch something that you watched before, Dan, because you know if you watch something you haven't watched, then you're going to stay up for it, and that's just going to counteract this whole winding down process. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'm like, ooh, Black Hawk Down, I've seen that before. And uh, and then I'm like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. That's uh, There's like no down to the, the, the major criticism in that movie, and there's like fucking no downtime, and everybody looks the same. So you're like, you're just trying to spend the whole movie like figuring out who's who, because it's just such a crazy cast. And I'm like, okay, maybe not. And then somehow I ended up like convincing myself that, yeah, Hurt Locker, a PTSD like, fucking wired tight, you know, diffusing bomb movie, that'll be good. And I stayed up for the whole thing. So, anyways, that's that. MMA topics. Oh, Greg Hardy. Yeah, you got to call me an event. Undeserve it. I feel like I've been very fair about the whole Hardy thing. I haven't been one of those people uh, jumping on uh, bandwagons from the media perspective, or God forbid, jumping on the other bandwagon of. Overly defending someone like that, and um, regardless, uh, what the law says, um, but uh, but yeah, um, it's just for me, it's my it's more just special treatment for fucking football players, man. Are we back in fucking high school, really? Like, I get it, I get that the, 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 that's not that's how the real world works, but goddamn, like. It, <laughs> 
it, 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 the whole thing makes me proud to be a 33-year-old man who still people look like crazy because, God forbid, guys, I don't like football. Holy shit. <laughs> Fuck. Football, sorry. And this is why, and again, it's just like, why, why the fuck should I give so much shit and treat these guys as their God's given earth? I mean, they've been treated that way since, since, fucking, uh, since fucking high school. And even the ones that come from underprivileged privileged neighborhoods, they get their ego so fucking embellished and they, uh, through, through school when they're quote-unquote playing for free until they get into the pro leagues where they're making millions of dollars and then you see just the values of whatever values you know they had or their fam- you know their family put upon them just fucking out the window and we see these crazy stories and you know, hey Dan you know you can't pull the national felony league when you 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 love combat sports because there's just as much and you know if we're splitting hairs there's a high perpetrators there you're right you're absolutely right and i know people have made this argument and have linked it to cte and head trauma I'm not disregarding the, uh, definitely, you know me, I'm definitely not disregarding the effects of that as to the equation of the pie, but I will say this in defense of combat sports. Um, the people that are good at combat sports, they weren't popular in high school. They weren't popular in school. I fucking guarantee you that. Unless they were athletes of these crossover brands, like dudes like the Brendan Shops of the world kind of coming over in the sport later, um, they were not. Uh, and if they were in, you know, especially if they were doing martial arts or stuff, they were, especially in my era, when it was before it was, because I was doing martial arts before it was fucking cool, where, like, I didn't want, you couldn't even tell people you did martial arts because you were just going to get into a fight. At least I was, because it was going to cause a wise-ass remark. And as nice of a guy as I appear on the outside, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I. I moved from Hawaii when I was real young, so I can't even blame it on that. But the, maybe it's the Hawaiian in me. I, I, yeah, I, I want to fight a lot of people, and would, and uh, thankfully most people uh, were um, weak uh, in, in in high school and, and were just mostly talk, and they never wanted to fight. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, it just sorry, it just this kind of shit just brings me back like full fucking nerd rage, whatever you want to call it. But unlike nerds, unlike football players i martial artists fighters step up in there and have to take our fucking licks whether we're a good person or not and that's the only way we fucking get better we don't have a team to blame we don't have our ego fucking cokes we don't have fucking million dollar uh, contracts promised at the end and then if we want to fucking uh slap around our girls uh, gonna get away with it, and obviously I don't want to do that. And you know this is an alleged. Uh, I'm not talking about anybody in particular here. I'm talking about a mess, but you can get the picture who I'm who I'm talking about here. And uh, and yeah, and we just treat these people like fucking gods. And I get it. If you like the game, that's cool. I'm not trying to hate on you, dude. I grew up, uh, you know, with all, half my neighborhood friends on the football team, and the other half of the football team I tried to fight. Um, but. Yeah, I just I, I hate I hate fucks like this and uh and I'm sorry I'm supposed to be unbiased here, I'm going on on a tangent. But uh but yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, I gave this guy his fa- a fair shake and I feel like it was a very fair opinion, you know. He he he, he hasn't really shown that he's above regional level. Does he have the potential to be? Of course. But for a super athlete in the heavyweight division, like dude, seriously, it's like women's lightweight and I, this is being generous to even include them. 
uh, women's featherweight, regional heavyweight. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that's that's like that is the as far as as far as uh, skill contrasts. Uh, I would argue from the crop, the general crop, to the top. And the top is a very small percentile, and the general crop is not impressive. And I think we can agree to that. Uh, as crude as it may be, observation on those divisions. So for that guy to really just, you know, only getting as impressive, which is not impressive to me, you know, I'm the, I don't care how big your muscles are and you're getting the flashy KO. Um, guys like Johnny Walker excluded, that guy is, is defending, is, uh, is defying, is, is defying things. And, and again, I've explained on this podcast before, using subtly good technique. Uh, but like as far as these like trains, these guys, they run undefeated and they just keep going and, and but it's all like first round finishes or whatever, like. Yeah, I mean, I picked. Uh, yeah, I picked him against Crowder, but it just felt like such a setup fight from what we saw against Crowder. wasn't too impressive, and we saw what happened. And for a quote unquote setup fight to get another co-main event, that's just kind of indefensible. So sorry, hit a struck a nerve there for, with me. But uh, but yeah, it's my my defense. So I don't. I, I'm tired of this goddamn special treatment of fucking people. Uh, speaking of which, Conor McGregor. Less surprising news. Um, it was uh, Connect the Dots Day earlier this week. That was fun, wasn't it? Uh, and, um, yeah, I'll just say I'm not surprised. Um, and for people that want to attack media for this, which is hilarious, um, I'm not even a journalist, but I, I can tell you that you, 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 <laughs> you can't report without certain facts, especially something of that nature. And uh, that's fortunately, that, 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 that is the state of things. Um... And a lot of our outlets really don't have the pull as a New York Times, guys. I don't know if you know this, but uh, MMA Junkie uh, fighting all those sites, were, they're, they're not that level of publication. Um, and whether you agree with that logic or not, that's, that's just the truth. Um, so relax on that. And uh, I'll just say that, uh, yeah, the, for me, it was the PR. It was the dead giveaway. Uh, the, the, the kind of PR that's been being run for the last few months. Um, and especially, you know, not training at SBG, especially ones guys like Gunny, longtime guys, and guys like Gunny have a southpaw. Uh, Kavanaugh's going over there, and Connor doesn't make an appearance. Like, yeah, okay, it's not, it's not good. Um, yeah, okay, uh, that's it. Oh, and shouts to uh, Slip and Dip Podcast. There's a lot of fight announcements. We'll skip there because I covered them on, on the Slip and Dip Podcast as special guests. Thanks to Matt and Kendrick for having me on. Give them a follow at slip letter N dip podcast on Twitter. All right, let's break down these fights, guys. They're going to try to keep this under an hour because I got the show call for Sirius coming up. And uh, yeah, you guys have to sit through enough of that uh, fucking ranting. All right, let's get signed on here. It is UFC on ESPN2 in Philadelphia, headlined by Edson Barbosa and Justin Gaethje. As usual, we're going to break things down from top to bottom. Uh, Timestamp here. 19 mark. The show notes. All right. All right. Apologies for that impassioned rant, guys. All right. Edson Barbosa is your favorite. Minus 130. Justin Gaethje, come back on him. Plus 110. Uh, getting a little tighter. But, uh, yeah, I don't hate that Barbosa is the favorite. Um... He's definitely showing that uh, 
you know, he, he's definitely defying age for his, for his, you know, as heavy as this dude's been fighting. Keep in mind his Muay Thai record as well. It's like 25 pro fights. Excuse me. 22 by knockout. Hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah, yeah, just obviously, uh, keeps uh, evolving. Now he's back at American top team. Uh, I don't want to say back. I know he, but he was at Jupiter, Florida in the beginning of his UFC career a bit as well. Uh, after he moved from Nova, Nova Friburgo. And, uh, now he's at American top team to be reunited with his Muay Thai coach. And again, they got a strong Brazilian crowd over there. A lot of guys in his weight class above and below him. Um, so, you know, I, I don't expect too much of a change Barbosa, but a tighter one. He definitely uh, was acknowledging that his corner's been in his ear this whole camp about the pressure coming his way and knowing what to deal with that. But then, you know, if you're a Barbosa supporter, you got to be a bit worried because, like I was saying in my breakdown, both these guys kind of have a susceptibility to uh, getting the wars. Obviously, Gaethje is welcoming it and pushing for it. But even Barbosa, though he still needs space, Though he's less reliant on that need, um, still finds himself getting into wars because, as most people know by now, the key to Barbosa is pressure. And I think that was pointed out by Jamie Varner. And the forgotten Danny Castillo fight, uh, I think, kind of proved that, which probably should have been a draw. I mean, that should have been 10 8. Uh, and then, you know, you get Barbosa the next two rounds because Danny Gass trying to finish him and almost got him out of there, very similar to how Varner did. And, um, but that was kind of the verifier, regardless of the outcome or what you thought of the outcome. It was like, okay, this is what you got to do. Guys who can wrestle and pressure, right? And, uh, that's, that's why I took even like shots at guys on guys like Michael Johnson, who he was kind of coming into his own under the Henry Hoof Dutch pressure style. And, uh, that was a nice cash, uh, back in the day as well. We'll talk Michael Johnson a little bit later. Um, so that's always kind of been the key. So, yeah, my lean was Gaethje coming into this fight. It's a fight I always wanted to see. And, and, and spoiler alert, guys, obviously, breakdown's already out. I'm taking Gaethje here. Leg kicks are interesting. I know people talking about speed, and Barbosa will definitely have the speed advantage. But he doesn't spam leg kicks as hard as he used to. And I think that's been clear trend for a while now. If anything, he'll go to the inside leg more, which you look for in this fight. Um, you know, uh, he used it against Pettis. Who Pettis was surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, it's more surprising then, uh, kept an orthodox stance. I thought he would fight, fight, fight a little more southpaw against a guy like Barbosa. But from Barbosa's perspective, um, it's a nice way to not overextend yourself, risk a takedown to a, a good grappler like uh, Pettis. Uh, harder to, you know, it's a harder to counter the uh, inside leg kick than it is the outside. Outside, easier to counter, whether we're talking about the cross or the reach down and catch. Um, also, it, more, but more importantly, uh, yeah, he's going to want to avoid the strike counters more than the grappling counters because not a lot of grappling counters are going to come from Gaethje, obviously. But the inside leg kick is a really good debasing kick, so I could really see it um, debasing uh, Justin Gaethje, which is something you would love to do against power power striker. So look for that kick, but... Other than that, he's not really throwing too many leg kicks. Um, I see body kicks maybe playing well for him because Gaethje's traditional like, shell doesn't really protect the body as well as, as, as you know Eddie Alvarez pointed out. 
but as far as outside leg kicks, so I think that's Gaethje's wrong. I think Gaethje is going to, I think Gaethje is going to surprise him. It's going to be like a, or at least the beginning is going to feel like Chad, the, the beginning of uh, Chad Mendez Aldo too, where Chad Mendez is coming out there laying leg kicks on Aldo, and you're like, what? Uh, which doesn't seem like much, you know, or maybe is not much in the big picture, nor did it matter because he didn't win, but it was very surprising at the time. Um, and also, just Gaethje has the leg kicks from different ranges, too, because he can do it from the, you know, Irish collar, half a half a tie clinch kind of kind of grab and just start flinging those leg kicks in, which is really nice. I always love that move. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Justin Gaethje here. Uh, probably late second round stoppage. Because I think actually if he gets in the third and fourth, uh, it's in trouble because we see Gaethje have a trouble keeping that pace because it's such a breakneck pace. That round three, he starts to maybe he starts to fume up a bit. Whereas Barbosa, um, if you let him recover, he'll he'll recover. I mean, let's not forget he was defending takedowns successfully in round three against both Lee and Khabib Nurmagomedov, hitting them both with spin kicks. Obviously, the one to Kevin Lee had much more effect. Whereas the one that Khabib didn't hit as well, and Khabib just walked right through it. Um, but that still just shows that how good Barbosa recovers. You can't. You can't never sleep on that guy. So uh, Gaethje knows what to do. His courts and corners know what to do. And uh, his style for all its criticisms, um, his dedication to his style for all its criticisms, I guess I should say even more so, actually play well for him in this fight. Uh, him playing to his character plays well to, uh, I, I think, the way this fight goes. I'd say could Barbosa knock him out, sure. Uh, obviously, Barbosa's got the head kicks, but I see Barbosa's actually check hook having a lot of play. He really improved his left hook since working with Mark Henry, and uh, nothing like a check hook against a, a marauding power puncher. Um, so, I mean, hey, you, you never know. I'm, I'm not expecting an Eves Edwards, Jeremy Stevens level check, but you know what I'm saying. I, I would not be surprised uh, for that to, to, to spark off maybe a finish at least. But I'll take Gaethje. All right. Um, oh, and I, I played Gaethje. Uh, spoiler alert, guys. Only straight play <laughs> the card. Just threw a unit on him. All right. Uh, co-main event, I guess, if you want to call that uh, the co-main event. Uh, Jack Hermanson moved kind of back up to a favorite. Tightened, and he kind of settled back in as a slight favorite here. Minus 130 with a comeback on David Branch. Plus 110. Um... Yeah, I uh, I like Hermanson here, but it's a tight fight, uh, and I agree with the line. Um, David Branch, it's like, you know, both these guys are very mental dudes. It's, uh, they kind of show, you know, they kind of live and die in their own head, and, and they can be much better than what they represent. Um, and Hermanson is starting to show that. He's been on a run. I think he really overcame that by doing those repeat trips to Brazil. Um, you know, it seemed like he was cursed there. He just has that, that poor performance and the credits to kind of just, uh, shutting down mentally before the fight against, uh, Cesar Fajeda and just gives him the submission. Like, what the hell? Really out of care. I mean, Fajeda's fucking, was he second or third degree Brazilian? He's just a black belt. Like not taking anything away from him, but that was an uncharacteristic Hermanson performance. And then Tiago Santos, which even that defeat ages well, Santos now fighting for the title. Uh, again, back in like Sao Paulo, and you're like, this guy's cursed in Sao Paulo. Then he takes his next fight in Sao Paulo. Granted, against Talos Leides, who didn't announce his retirement at that point, but was on his way out. It was pretty clear, right? Still, 
uh, I, I, you know, should win that fight, pick him, but you're like, ooh, I don't know, Jack and Sao Paulo's. And third time is a charm, but even then it had everything going against him. He had that rib injury or knee or whatever it was, and I think it was the rib, yeah. And where he's like crying in pain, has to come back from adversity, one of my favorite comebacks. And uh, I think that really just, that was a huge thing for him. And to even where I think Mike Bond was asking him in the interviews fight week this week, and he credits that also the Tiago Santos loss as well, where he's just like, doesn't bother him. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't change it even if he could. Um, so let's see what he has. Looks like he's in good shape coming into this one. David Brand's training in his, in his normal places around New York. Henzo Gracie and uh, training with guys like uh, Baby K. Robertson and, and other fighters as well. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting for the wrestling. Uh, both guys are, are are good wrestlers. They can get change a level, counter a kick, go from the fence. Um. But I, I like Hermanson's movement better. I think that's what's going to be a saving grace for both wrestling defensively, offensively, and striking defensively and offensively. Uh, he's got that long, prodding jab, hops in and out, and kind of frustrates guys. And then when they come in too strong, he changes his level and he's got his shot, which is kind of the best way you're going to get a guy like David Branch down. Now, David Branch, really good from the front headlock. So Hermanson's really going to have to pick and choose his shots. I wouldn't be surprised to see him strike for majority of the opening opening round uh, if not the whole first so we'll see how that goes could be a really close point fight but in that I'll take Hermanson and uh, if he can get to a dominant position um, I think he can uh, I think he can make a get a branch uh, either tap or just just get him out of there with the strike so um, I'll take Jack Hermanson I, I didn't play it. It, it you know I don't know it's it's playable line, so if, if you got a feel on that, good luck to you. All right, uh, this one, uh, dead even, minus 115 apiece. Uh, Michael Johnson was the favorite. Money coming in on Josh Emmett, um, who was the dog. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky fight. Michael Johnson never really gets the credit he deserves. Uh, I made that, I, you know, I, I feel like... Uh, I've found a pretty decent Michael Johnson groove since back in the day when he fought Joe Lozon, where I was just, you know, on the Lozon train, fan favorite, kind of writing off Johnson. And, uh, you know, he, he showed in certain matchups you can't overlook him. And uh, Team Alpha Male, kind of like the Dazed and Confused, I'll give that another, another share. Like the Dazed and Confused tweet I composed about when this matchup was announced. Like, man, this is like the fourth or fifth Team Alpha Male guys fighting. It's like they're... Like dazed and confused over there, picking out dudes to paddle and taking their turns on them. And uh, even though Michael Johnson is a mixed record, he's won against Team Alpha Mill as well. This is an interesting one because Josh Emmett, man, bless that dude. Jesus Christ, uh, bless his heart. He um, fucking came back from so much ridiculous injury and and stuff. And uh, it's it's ridiculous. So you, you can't help but root for a guy like that. And the fact that he almost got his eye both out of his socket like fucking Glenn from The Walking Dead from Jeremy Stevens is just insane. So you got to wonder what that does kind of mentally, you know. Uh, we talked about it before, even with just noses, right? Uh, broken noses or, or noses on surgery, we see people just freeze up and just uh, they get hit there and it just it changes the fight. Um, so, you know, that's something to watch. And Johnson, you know, he, uh, he hits pretty hard for 55 and he hits... Pretty pretty darn hard for 145, obviously. Um, 
Emmett does too, but and he is heavy-handed, but you know, like that that hook on Lamas was just picture perfect. That was just you know, guy going into it, guy going the other way. Just you couldn't have gotten a perfect hook. Then that that was just insane. Um, I don't I don't know uh, if if he gets that on Johnson. Uh, they both move well. He's gonna have to probably catch Johnson on a blitz early, but I like it as time goes on. I think this cut's really tough for Emmett, and he's kind of slowed and if not slowed, got sloppier at the very least from being critical in later rounds. Whereas uh, Johnson, if he is, it's not a physical thing. It's usually more of a mental thing. And that mental thing usually only shows up after like a round or two of grappling pressure. So you really got to work for it now. Um, you know, it, uh, and I don't know if Josh Emmett's going to do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised from the layoff and then the, Game plans have passed that he dusts off his wrestling uh, more than he has in the past. If I is here, but but I'm not sure he does that. I'll take Johnson, but it, it's uh, it's too close to call. If, if Johnson goes to dog money, I may sprinkle, but nah, it's this fight. This fight says avoid. Unfortunately, I can only fit four fights on my avoid list, and we will get to those because I think one of them is next, and that is uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Minus 150 versus Michelle uh, Watterson, plus 130. I say Polish Princess versus Karate Hottie. Um, <laughs> matter of fact, I mean, do you think Michelle Watterson's hot? I'm like, I don't think people are hot that I could be related to or look like, look like I'm related to. <laughs> uh, whereas Carolina, oh, Carolina. Something about Carolina and that walkout. Hopefully she comes out to that song again. What does she come out to? I can't remember, but uh, but I like her walkout. She's got a really good walkout. Uh, I'm not going to hate on Michelle Watterson, um, but uh, I don't know. Something about her. I know I said it before. Something about her comes off uh, comes off uh, from the uh, Go Get Some Fans Academy, if that makes sense. You know, she comes very much out of that school. And uh, they spoke about other fighters before my radar about that's usually pretty uh, pretty good. But anyways, uh, I, I got I should be rooting for uh, for 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 an Asian American that's uh, getting a getting a pretty high platform and push. Not many of us get that. So, uh, props to you, Watterson. No hate here, but I am picking Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Uh, I think the odds are pretty pretty correct here. Um, I don't blame anybody taking the shot on Watterson. That said, she's done well as an underdog, but um, I, I just, I, I'm not sure she's going to get the takedowns with consistency. I think Kovalkiewicz is a bit underrated there. Uh, and, you know, you really just... She made a stupid mistake against a really good person, against Gadelia, and I think that's really what, what, what that was. I think she, she's better than that, and it showed jiu-jitsu improvement since that fight. Even though she did some risky moves, like pulling for the, uh, you know... Uh, Imanari roll uh, or attempt at it. I don't know. It was more like a rolling knee bar when she did it against uh, Felice at UFC 223, which someone told me she was going to do that, which is part of the reason why I picked against her. But then she gets a sweep from that position and was just on a roll. Um, but, you know, you got to wonder because uh, in, in that fight, Felice rocked her at the end. And who knows what happened if she followed up instead of choosing to grapple for whatever reason. But. Uh, and then she gets knocked out in you know, Kovalkiewicz the next fight against Andrade. So you just got to wonder where her mind's at as well, you know. And Watterson, she doesn't have that one-punch power, but her kicks uh, her kicks have power. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure 
camp did their homework on Kovalkiewicz and her entries, but the fact that Andrade taxed her on one of her most common entries where Kovalkiewicz will double up on her right hand as she shifts to southpaw, that's usually when she's most vulnerable, and that's when she got hit. So I guess the silver lining is what I'm trying to say is that hopefully that forced Kovalkiewicz to adjust that. Uh, that'll help her against a really uh, strong game camp, planning camp. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, I got Kovalkiewicz, no plays there. Over is juiced. Um, all right, next fight, Kennedy Nezchuwuku versus Paul Craig. Uh, Kennedy is minus 185. Paul Craig is plus 160. Well, it's not exactly the sick boy method. Um, yeah, I, I like Paul Craig, uh, but I'm picking Kennedy. Uh, I like Paul Craig as a person. You know, he's, he's quietly improved as a fighter. Those quiet improvements, though, I will say, the reason why I stay away is uh, it was wrestling. And you saw that against, uh, and again, obviously, Jimmy fucking Crate. Jimmy fucking Crate. Not a wrestler. Jimmy fucking Crate. You all know who Jimmy fucking Crate is? Sorry, <laughs> jumping accents here, guys. Forgive me. Uh, but he was taking him down uh, pretty consistently and really, you know, it tired him because it was a new skill. You're really selling out for those takedowns, but that wouldn't hurt him selling out for those takedowns against Kennedy. Although he's going to have to watch out for that flying knee and that counter cross from the southpaw stance. And I like Kennedy's attitude. I like the gym that he's working with. Four to seven May's been killing it. So uh, I'll go ahead and take. Uh, I'll go ahead and take uh, Kennedy. It's part of the uh, African NWO. Uh, that's right. That's, I'm going to coin that, African NWO, uh, which uh, another member of that will be coming later. I like that. New World Order NWO. Love that. All right, we'll go with uh, Chuku. He'd probably be like Kevin Nash because he's so tall, just going over the top ropes. And uh, I'll go with a random, uh, less low-hanging fruit NWO call. Sadiq Youssef, another 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 man from uh, I want to uh, I think he's Lloyd Irvin actually, but I think he does Fortis MMA as well. Either way, uh, a Nigerian Sadiq. Uh, how did uh, Kamara Usman say to say it? Youssef. Yusuf. Sadiq Yusuf, I think is how it's supposed to be. Uh, what we know about Sadiq is he's why uh, Sadiq Youssef minus one forty. Uh, shame, shaman, shaman. Come on, shaman. Marais is come back on him is uh, plus one twenty. Uh, sorry, Sadiq Yusuf. We know this is powerful. So that low. So for NWO, uh, let's go. Uh, Scott Norton, the power bomb. That guy just looked like he just drank beers and just came in to power bomb people, which I think should have used him more. I feel like he just didn't show up like he was always in back. He never had a match. I'm like, he was that Scott Norton guy. I love watching dudes get powerbombed, but I think it felt redundant because we're well, we going to have Kevin Nash come out and jackknife someone later. Yeah, damn it. All right, sorry, guys, to take you back 20 years into pro wrestling. Dan, that was further than that. Well, relax. All right, Sadiq Youssef, who looks nothing like Scott Norton. <laughs> Rich Heyman Marais. Uh, this is a, this is on my. Uh, oh, it's not. Well, maybe it should be. Maybe, it, maybe it's because if you like either guy, it's a playable line. But man, this is uh, this is a this is a tough one. Both guys love their counter hooks and, or counter crosses with their follow up hooks. 
Uh, and the counter crosses will be live at play. You look at Sadiq Youssef's loss to Luis Gomez before that ridiculous uh, arm drag face plant into the mat that KO'd him. You know, gave me flashbacks of the what was that dude's name? Um, it was Charlie Ward getting thrown into the mat by uh, God damn it, not Bang Boze, but was the fucking welterweight guy. Anyways, Chad Lapreez beat him uh, after that. But uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, he gets hit with a counter right hand by by Gomez, and uh, you know he, he so I mean Sadiq Sadiq is human. He's super Sadiq, but he's he's also human. Where you know Shaman, he, he's he's taking his fair shots too. But you know he, he's he's also held up more times than not. Uh, so it's really tricky. I actually think because the right hands are going to be so much on the radar, especially for Sadiq because he's known for his right hand that. Their left hooks are going to be really live. Um, something else to watch for is uh, Mariah's elbows. I know, obviously, he came up for that, that really crazy slice he got off Arce. But uh, not even so much that in the clinch, although from the same side and in similar technique, he does do this kind of leading up elbow as a counter when, when, when both fighters crash distance for exchanges instead of crowding his punches. Shaman Mariah's is really good about going, you know, as they say in Muay Thai, uh, Comb, comb, combing back your hair, uh, that kind of an elbow, up elbow, and uh, I could I could totally see that working for him because uh, there's going to be a lot of distance crashing in this fight. Both guys have really good leg kicks, so that's going to be interesting to see who wins out that battle. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Shaman tries tries to dust off any wrestling. I don't know how much he's working with Kenny Johnson down there at uh, Black House. If Black or if Kenny Johnson's still at Black House. But it looks like Shaman's at Black House, and it looks like Sadiq can be taken down, although he does a good job of getting back up, using the fence, fighting grips. Uh, I got to imagine that's getting better. So, I, yeah, I don't really see a guy having too much edge, edge there, which means it's going to be a slugging battle. Uh, I'm going to take Sadiq's power here and ceiling. Though Marais, man, he gets slept on often, and I can't really criticize because I'm often on the other side of him. That being said, you know, just being honest, he, he does get slept on, so be careful there. Uh, I'm going with Sadiq. Hey, Benji. Uh, all right, next fight. Marina Rodriguez, minus 135. Jessica Jag Aguilar. Jag. <laughs> Aguilar. Uh, plus 185. Damn, that's... Sorry, I have weird names for everybody. And look at what I call Shaman. Shaman. Come on, Shaman. Uh, I have weird names for everybody, so, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> Jessica Aguilar still showing she's got life in the tank. Uh, ran into a contender in Wei Zhang. And Benjamin, get out of the trash. Dog's poking in the trash there. Um, but, but, you know, she's got a serviceable game. She just, she you know, even when she's under fire, uh, she looks to keep, uh, you know, a decent guard. Her eyes are open. She checks kicks. Looks to counter those kicks, pushes into the fence. Tries not to stay standing longer than she needs to, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if she gets those takedowns here. Um, I could see an upset, but uh, at the same time, I uh, I don't trust Jessica Aguilar to get takedowns, but a girl that's going to be veteran and looking for takedowns is what's going to stifle Marina Rodriguez. I think Marcos knew that. But just, you know, was, was kind of hit and miss. Uh, you know, really good in the first round, obviously. 
and then so-so uh, in the second, and it'll be interesting, you know, um, I haven't seen from the social media, at least Marina Rodriguez moved to a big camp, so as far as wrestling goes, and right now she's doing more of like early Yoani and Jacek slash what a lot of Muay Thai fighters uh, do for the takedown defense, and they use that a lot of that forearm framing and that push-off, which is fine, and it's really strong, and it gives them an edge on separations and allows them to hit quick elbows off the brakes. The problem is, though, when people change their levels and get low, those are much lower percentage because now you're having to reach digging under hook sprawl and more, you know, you're in a more traditional wrestling defense. So it's going to be interesting because I think Jag is going to force those. Uh, just how consistent is she going to be able to do it? I like Rodriguez here. Um, I imagine she opened at a lower line and people juiced it up, and I guess I don't blame them. Because, um, you know, fading Aguilar, why not, right? Um, I, I don't blame anybody there. Certainly the odds makers are. Uh, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, I guess, as far as what I could see. And for the price that it is now, it, 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 it's, it's a no play for me. And that over is kind of juiced, too, because I actually think Marina Rodriguez gives Jessica Aguilar her first uh, TKO victory. So I guess you can accuse me of being on the fade train in that sense. Though I'm not playing it. But the pick is Rodriguez by TKO. Uh, which is why I kind of caution that over. Maybe maybe you can take a blind shot of that under minus two and a, uh, two and a half, under two and a half, plus 300. That's fucking hell. Fucking hell. Boch, be careful. Jesus, how many accents we covered today, guys? All right, next, Des Green, minus 450. That's got to be, ooh, that got juiced. Ross Pearson, plus 360. I've been a defender of Pearson. I've even picked him in some spots. Not recently, probably, but it's tough. Um... Let me pull it up pull it up now because if you go back, like I think he's won one fight out of nine. Kind of in a way. Hold on before you jump on me and I'll explain that argument. Um You know, sure he beat Diego Sanchez and we know that he did in that split decision, but I'm talking about fast forwarding. Like after that Sam Stout KO, granted it was in March of twenty fifteen, which doesn't sound too 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 long ago, but keep in mind how many fights he's had since then. Um one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's had ten fights since then, and you could argue that he's only won one of those. So Evan Dunham, he loses pretty clearly. Paul Felder, Paul, Paul kind of felt, uh, kind of, you know, kind of fought uh, not his best at that fight, but you know, kindly, and it was a close fight. It was a split decision that really could have uh, gone to Paul Felder, right? Uh, loses to Francisco Trinaldo clearly. Chad LaPriest beats him by a split decision. I think I picked Pearson and thought and scored it for LaPriest. And I think a, a, a few people did as well. as you know, or Majority, I want to say. I don't have it up pulled up. But, again, you can argue he lost that fight. Clearly loses to Will Brooks. Clearly loses to Masvidal. Almost gets knocked out. Uh, loses to Stevie Ray. Can't recall that off the top of my head right now. Uh, loses to Dan Hooker. Clearly gets KO'd. Beats Mizuto Hirota, who uh, was just barely pulled off of death's door from the weight cut he did prior and was on his way out. Uh, and then uh, loses to Mc the bull McDessie. Uh, so it, it's tough, man. It's been really tough. I mean, to argue that a guy is one and one and nine, uh, and he's but though technically three and seven. Jesus Christ. And again, I like Pearson here, and, and to play devil's advocate, um, I could see him out-voluming uh, out uh, Des Green. Uh, 
Say what you will about McDessie's volume. Uh, he uh, picks his shots much more wiser, whereas Green, I don't, I don't know about that. He's really worked on his counters, his, his left hand, uh, right hook, like any good southpaw should. But we see this with Green where he kind of lets rounds get too close. Uh, I hope he leans on his wrestling here. I'm, I'm going to take Des Green to win the decision. But, uh, man, for a fight that I think it's, I do think it is closer than what it should be on, at least what it is now. Maybe not from what it opened as, but from what it is now, a minus four, an over four to one spread for Des Green. I don't know about them. I don't think I'm going to lay that chalk, guys. Um, I don't blame anybody taking a straight shot on Pearson or looking at that Pearson decision prop, which I got imagines in the five or six hundreds at least. And that's how Pearson's going to win if he wins. It's going to be by decision. But I'll take green. All right. Uh, Kevin Agu or Enrique Barzola, minus 120. Kevin Aguilar, a bit money came in, plus 100. I'm not sure where Barzola opened, but I did see him as a wider favorite, if memory serves, earlier in the week. Um, I, uh, I wanted to take Kevin Aguilar here, but I'm still... And again, he had, he had the big hype coming in from LFA. I remember, you know, researching him before Dana White's Contender Series uh, as I did the grading the winners. I only gave him a B, although I did, you know, give respect that it was, uh, you know, a, a, a lightweight who was hold, who holds a victory over, you know, Ray Cooper uh, the third. Uh, and, but, you know, and, and he showed some things there, you know, if, if you're able, you know, if you're able to, to, to wrestle uh to wrestle Aguilar consistently, you could you could stifle him, and I think Barzola is going to do that. Uh, Kevin Aguilar's got some real dangerous counters, man, and he's got knockout power. He's got that Mexican fighting spirit, so I don't. And he seems like the guy that will fight for your money, so I don't blame anybody taking the shot on Aguilar. But I actually like Barzola here, especially looking at Aguilar again. He's got that the countering ability. He's not a fish out of water. He knows how to scramble from his back uh, pretty pretty damn well. And Barzola's not the biggest submission there, but Barzola's getting better and better. He's doing much more off these takedowns, and he's taking guys back off it more too, which is great for backpacking and banking rounds, which is totally Barzola's game. More importantly, Barzola does his best work in doing that, even the backpacking and taking the back all off the cage, which is where Kevin Aguilar kind of tends to hang out. So that, in my opinion, puts the percentages even more so in Barzola's favor. Uh, it's a playable line to play straight up if you like either side. But uh, I actually took some plus money, uh, some plus 120, but not plus 120 on uh, on the Angel of Death. It was plus 120 on, on Barzola by decision because that's how I see this one going. I just threw half, you know, that's one of the only props I did. The other one, oh, the other one I didn't even mention. I took a shot on the under 2.5 at plus 100 uh, for Marais Youssef. Uh, those are the only two props that I took a shot at. I think it's gonna, someone's going to go down to that Marais Youssef one. And there's really not a lot I like that has plus money on it at all on this card. Props, straight or otherwise. Uh, no parlays because there's too much chalk, and I'm not even confident about the chalk, as the previous Des Green fight would point out, and others we've kind of broken down so far. All right, next fight. Um, I'm sorry, I'll make sure. Yeah, I get, oh, yeah this next fight is uh, Kevin Holland. Minus 190, Gerald Mearshart come back on him, plus 165. All right. Uh, yeah, I I like Holland here, but uh, it, it pains me because uh, well, I'm a fan of both guys, to be honest. Um, I'm a fan of Mearshart, obviously, 
not really obviously, but excuse me, Eli. Uh, stretching. Uh, I like Mearshart, uh, probably just because uh, randomly, if you, if you follow James Lynch, he's a a repeat video game challenger for James Lynch on, on one of my favorite games, Mario Kart. Although I was never a big fan of Mario Kart 64, and my friends at that point in my life seemed to really like that one, but I grew up more on the Super Nintendo version, so... Um, I sorry James, but I side with Mearshart there, and and Mearshart also uses my favorite character, Koopa Troopa. Koop Troop, Koop Troop is, is like a motherfucker. Koopa Troopa, man, he's the shit. I think he was, I think he's banging the princess. You know what I'm saying? I think that's why she went over there. It wasn't for Bowser. We we know why she was over there. Koop Troop is laying it down. Dan, this is not time for your Mario Kart lore. Uh, <laughs> uh you know, I like he's he's one of those dudes that's uh, pretty well rounded. It seems like he he pops up in a lot of guys' camp. You know, talking about Duke Rufus, he was talking saying, my, you know, Anthony Pettis is my Michael Jordan. We're like, who's your Scottie Pippen? And he's like, oh, I'm not gonna fall into that trap. And I was kind of like, oh man, this is, I'm a big Scottie Pippen fan. You know, and uh, it was on the way out of the interview, so I didn't say anything. But I was like, oh, no, that's not that's not a diss. That's a compliment. And if that were the case, I would argue. Maybe uh, Gerald Mearshart would be a, a, a Scottie Pippen there because he is well-rounded. He's helping other people in their camp. Can do give a lot of different looks. Can wrestle, can grapple, do submissions. Uh, the problem is Kevin Holland's just as wild. It's just he seems more comfortable in the wilderness, whereas Mearshart, he would call himself a slow starter. And then now in recent interviews, he's like, I don't know if I'm starting so slow. I could argue that I came out too fast um, and, you know, Ran into something stupid, you know, he's talking about like the Hermanson fight and just kind of never got off to, then never got off to a good start subsequently. Subsequently, whereas Kevin Holland, as maddening as it is to look at him, he definitely seems comfortable in the chaos. And it's funny because he's got a big, a big kung fu background and uh, I asked him about that. Again, me just trying to be my analytical self, trying to find connections and I'm like looking at his jujitsu, not just his striking, but even his jujitsu. And I'm like, well, he pro progressed pretty fast to a brown belt under a guy like Travis Luter. That's no joke. That guy doesn't hand him out. Um, and uh, but you look at his style and and the weird swerve and the weird swerviness and whatnot. Uh, and the weird swerviness and whatnot. And uh, it's like uh, it, it's like he's taking kung fu flows, but then he's trying to do like you know real strikes with it. Not real. Like like kung fu is not real, but you know what I mean. Uh, and, and the same thing with the flow in his jiu-jitsu and I asked about that and he actually said no that's really true man I found that dexterity because kung fu requires such a dexterity of your whole body uh, so getting into things like jiu-jitsu just feel very comfortable and I could relate to that because even though I didn't do traditional kung fu uh, I did Chinese Kenpo which had a lot of kung fu influence hence the, you know, my, my trips to the Shaolin Temple uh, so definitely appreciated that um, so I, I think Holland can can find a finish here, uh, but I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with the line, but uh, part of me always roots for Mearshart to do well. I, he just he ends up in these matchups where I feel like they're not the greatest for him, and I don't know if he had a full camp either, kind of listening to interviews. He's been kind of jumping around, and uh, you know he seems optimistic and staying in shape and active about it, but you never know. You never know, so we'll see. All right, next fight is officially on the avoid list, though. Again, most of this card pretty much is a big avoid. Uh, Ray Borg, minus 270. Casey Kenny, plus 230. Money coming in on Kenny, I think, because Borg missed weight. But honestly, guys, it broke my heart. I didn't want to pick against him, but I was going to pick against him, I think, even before that because 
I was just looking at this fight yesterday slash last night, and it was um, I already knew Kenny from the hype and Danny only Tuesday night contender series, but getting into his other fights and whatnot, and um, and yeah, man, Southpaw bantamweight Ray Borg moving up, uh, and you look at the you know, not very many people have beaten Ray Borg, man. He's beaten some really good guys, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I researching Formiga, I forgot that he beat Juicy Formiga, you know. Back at 311.17. Could pull that date off the top of my head. Uh, but you look at the guys he lost to, and uh, you got Scoggins. Who is who the fuck did he lose to? Scoggins and DJ, I know off the top of my head. You know, the point is trying to look for it. He'll surprise against grapplers. He does well against other grapplers, but against taller southpaws. Now, Oh, Dustin Ortiz doesn't fit that, and that was a split decision, um, which I believe could have gone his way if memory serves. Uh, but, yeah, you look at the Scoggins and D. Demetrius Johnson, both were very clear losses. Uh, was that one of them? Both were in Vegas, too. Not a good omen. Uh, Vegas for him, at least. But uh, and both primarily fought their fair south, southpaw against uh, Borg as well. Um, now, Casey Kenny, I think it's going to come down to wrestling, obviously. But... Uh, he doesn't appear to be a complete slouch in the scrambles or anything like that. Obviously, he's in a scramble-heavy division like Bantamweight. Um, makes the rounds. Some, you know, I believe he he will train and cross-train at the lab. Uh, if memory serves, I'm trying to remember that interview I heard is days ago at this point. But um, but yeah, uh, that southpaw stance. Uh, you know, he knows how to use his knees and counters. Doesn't have a lot of KOs or anything, but you look at his record when he. When, when, you know, when he's gotten him, I think he's kind of coming into his power sort of thing. 28 years old, 5'7", um, and uh, coming into Bantamweight. He's fought a flyweight before as well, but coming into that Bantamweight uh, frame, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know where Brady Borg's head is at. I don't like what I was hearing from him in interviews, saying I don't care about this fight. And so, trying to put a positive spin, like, I'm just going to go in there and fuck it. But that, I don't like that at all. It just seems like the attitude. And then you don't see any of the training photos. And I was even trying to look up Jackson Wink and other guys who were fighting recently, like like a Dotson or anybody that would have uh, maybe have crossed a camp with them and couldn't find anything, man. I don't know what Ray Borg's doing. Yeah, rooting like hell for him. But I don't think his head's in it, and that's not a good place to, to be. I think that weight could kind of showed it. So this is on the void list either way. I feel guilty as shit, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Kenny. This feels like a trap fight. He was referencing Alex Hernandez's buddy. I think he's his buddy. Or maybe same management. But uh, Alex Hernandez's upsetter Daryush. I, I kind of see a similar thing here. Um, I'm going to take Casey Kenny, who I think, uh, I think catches him for a KO. All right. Next fight. That was depressing. Uh, next fight. Also on the avoid list, Sapina Mazo, minus 145 versus uh, Marina Moroz, plus 125. Marina Moroz, to <laughs> model and nutritionist. Um, kind of tricky. She, she, she looked like she spent this last year really focusing down, training at American Top Team. She even trained a little bit at Rufus Sport. It took a year off, so I'm going to leave room to be surprised, but her style seems pretty embedded and really... You know, aside from a split decision win that that, that could have gone Daniel Taylor's way, what Marina Moros, what is she like? I think she's only you know, that 
that went against Joanne Calderwood, which could be kind of fluky at this point. Um, and for being on the Ukrainian boxing team, she does a lot of that. Oh, and Christina Stanchu, who, come on, guy, just, yeah, research that. Sorry, no offense to that girl. So, yeah, I mean, I don't blame anybody for being just been on the, the fading Murrows train for a minute. Uh, I like Matzo, but we just haven't seen enough. Um, I I believe her when she says she has better jujitsu than she's been able to show because she doesn't really have to show it yet. And I want to say she's like a brown belt. Um, under the professor, I'm sorry, John Rico, I can't remember the professor is, but look, she's doing work. John Rico, she doing work? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> sorry, I have a soft spot for Colombian, Colombian, for Colombian girls, man. They are the, the death of me. That's my, Colombian girls are, are Dan Tom's kryptonite. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I know. Stay professional, Dan. You're covering these people. Hey, if I can, if I can go on a negative diatribe for a great party, I a little positive. Keep it professional, Dan. Sorry. Stay on target. Stay on target. That's me. I'm, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm that overweight John Candy-looking pilot from the original Star Wars who you just know is gonna go, it's going to go wrong for him immediately. He's like, stay on target. Stay on. Pull up. Pull up, red one. <sighs> Sorry, that's me. Trying to fight my creepiness. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to take Sabina Matsu. I think she's the better striker. I like her composure in the ring. She even for her limited limited experience, her uh, her overall martial arts experience, I would argue speaks louder. And uh, there's no takedowns to speak of really from Morose takedown threat. So I know she's training an American top team with a lot of good girls. So I'm expecting improvement, but I'm still gonna take Matzo. It's 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 a big avoid for me though, folks. All right, next uh, last fight. All right, get here on time, I guess. Alex Perez, minus 345. Mark De La Rosa, plus 285. This fight kind of surprised me in the line, but then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I like Alex Perez a lot. Um, and also, not only do I like him a lot, you can't judge two people off the loss. You know, you get too hard off the loss. His losses were, you know, legit back in the day, and his recent one comes to the best guy. Not only that, it was a headbutt. I talked about this in the last Joseph Benavides fight, I want to think, on this podcast, where he clashes and there's a clash of heads, which is why he goes down so easy and then takes those shots. So, yeah, he got knocked out twice, but you could say maybe you got knocked out three times with because uh, technically it was a headbutt that sparked it off. And even on Fight Pass, if you watch, you can see um, if you watch through the credit parts where you know they kind of air some uncommercialized parts. And before the official announcement, you see Joseph even kind of pointing to his head, going "Sorry about that" and apologizing, uh, acknowledging it. Which of course Joseph's going to do because he's classy and he's awesome. But I'm just saying you should be aware of that. Uh, obviously, the odds makers were, and so are the betters, because he's a pretty a decent favorite here. Uh, enough to keep me away, not for an avoid, but just because just it's just, just uh, inflated. So, um, And I don't know when that could end. Uh, Mark De La Rosa, I like, you know, Factory Muay Thai, Factory X Muay Thai, but looks like he's mainly stayed at Genesis in Texas for this one, so we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, yeah, all right, I'm going to recap the picks and plays here. Taking Justin Gaethje over Edson Barbosa and playing him for one unit. Taking Jack Hermanson over Dave Branch. Taking Michael Johnson over Josh Emmett. Taking Carolina Kovalkiewicz over Michelle Waterson. Taking Kennedy Nizjuku versus over Paul Craig. Taking Sadiq Youssef over Shaman. Come on, Shaman. Marais. And playing the under... Uh, under two and a half uh, plus 
100. It's now it's plus 105. There you go. Uh, taking Marina Rodriguez, which she's not Spanish, so it should be Rodriguez, over <laughs> Jessica Jag Aguilar. Taking Dez the Predator Green, which don't mistake him. Please don't mistake him for uh, Daniel Strauss. I know we have two um, dreadlocked, dreadlocked fellows from Florida who recently were in, involved in auto accidents, which is kind of a weird <laughs> connection. But casuals, please don't get those two confused. Taking Dez Green over Ross Pearson. Uh, best of the, also picking Daniel Strauss in that fight. All up to Daniel Strauss, no joke. Um, got uh, taking Enrique Barzola over Kevin Aguilar. Taking Kevin Holland over Gerald Mearshart. Taking Casey Kenny over Ray Borg. That's on the big avoid list there. Uh, taking Sabina Mazzo over Moroz. Taking Alex Perez over Mark De La Rosa. All right, folks. Again, apologies on the later episode. We're going to have an early top five next week. We're going to be getting back on track using that week off to finally start to get ahead on this motherfucking schedule. Nine weeks crawling across the floor. Get out. See some sunlight. See your family. Do something outdoors. There's more to life than just MMA, folks. But enjoy the fights this weekend. And always, protect your neck.